Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. I have one prayer this morning, though I want to touch on a few things. I have one prayer this morning that, um, that God would that Jesus would smash us with his love this morning. I, um, <laughs> really, that was the word I kept hearing, that he would smash us with his love this morning. He would smear us with his love this morning. I, I genuinely desire that we would step into an encounter today. Um, I'm going to teach a little bit, but I, I just believe at the end, God wants to meet us um, with his love. And um, I kept seeing a picture of his thumb pressing on us like this. You know, Luke 11 says that Jesus said in Luke 11, if I, if demons are being casted out by the pointing of the finger, then you know the kingdom is amongst you. If just his finger pushes back darkness, what happens when God begins to press on us? What happens when the hand of the Lord begins to land on our lives? I don't think we understand and I feel like God this morning, I saw the roof like bending like this in worship. And I feel like God is bending our reality to his. And, and, and Dallas, this is not just for you. This is for resignation as a whole, because it's a whole now. We have to talk this way. It's a body and they're not separate. It's not a hand over here and a leg over there. It's, it's a body. It's, a, it's, it's, you guys are, we're connected to something and God is doing something bigger than us. And I, I think we're, we're in an hour in a time where, where God is going to begin to search our hearts and he's going to begin to see what motivates you. And I, I keep using my thumb like this because I, I just keep picturing like his thumb, like he's flipping through the pages of your heart. He's, he's examining and I think he's looking and he's going, Oh, that one. And he's just going to begin to press. And so I asked that the Lord would press us this morning. Pressure, pressing, produces something beautiful. It causes everything to come up. And I actually want to give the quickest shout out. My Everyone this morning, so sweet, was asking where Cynthia is. Cynthia is back in Tennessee with the two boys. Um, they're doing great. They're super sweet. Honey, I love you. I know you're watching. Um, Micah's probably blocking the screen, but that's okay. Son, I love you too. He's so cute. Um, they're just doing really, really great. And um, I just, my gosh, I just love Cynthia. You know, um, okay, funny story. We watched online as your dad just, I don't know what that was. And we were weeping through the phone. We were just having this moment with God. And I just made this joke. This was the joke. All I said was, Gosh, babe, and then they get me next week. And I, I, it's like Cynthia's countenance changed, her look changed, and she just rebuked me for like five minutes. And no, I mean, I'm serious. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, God, for a woman like Cynthia. Thank you, Jesus, for my wife. I'm so thankful for her. She is a prophet. And like Old Testament too, she kind of just says it. And then you're like, ah, you're right, but you could have, maybe we could have said that differently. But I think it's her greatest strength, really. I think it's her gift. 
uh, she says what needs to be said. And but she's so gentle and sweet. But she she did. She said, "Don't you ever question anointing on your life?" I said, "I said yes, babe, yes." And it's the truth. And and so yeah, God is pressing. And. I've been in a season where, so just to, you know, we, we moved. Um, it's funny that you mentioned California, Texas. Uh, it's in a way we're doing it again. Um, but God seems to be doing something so different. And there is a, there is a hunger that I'm seeing of people's, they want the genuine presence of the Lord. That, that's what we're seeing is there's, a, there's this longing. I mean, every person we've talked to is just, the one word we hear over and over is authenticity, authenticity, authenticity. We just want the real thing. We want the real thing. And we're in a season where there's a desire, I think, in the body of Christ for the real thing. Guys, this is, this is the real thing. This is abnormal. And I just want us to see that and never forget it and never become familiar with it. And I never want the Lord's presence to become familiar. And so I've been in a season where I've kind of drawn back. We're, we're obviously in a new state where, I mean, William just kind of showed up last week finally. But, you know, we were there alone. And I had this, this pause. And in this pause, God began to minister to my heart. And, you know, sometimes you, you want to know what's next. And he's not giving me an, a, a what's next. He's just reigniting my heart. And there's a compassion welling up in me that I, I'll be honest, I haven't felt in a long time. And you don't, you don't realize it until you have a moment of slowing down and you have to reassess what's important, you know, and you have to see what, 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 where, where am I in the Lord? And God has been ministering in my heart of just compassion, compassion and love, compassion and love. And I'm, I'm aching because I'm hearing these people's stories. And I think it's a lot of your stories and burned by ministry, burned by the church, burned by leaders. And I think to myself, where's the compassion? Why, why did this become normal? When did love start being abnormal? And when did we start putting limitations on the Lord? And I'm, and I'm wrestling with these things and God has been just igniting my heart. I, I groan for the loss that I haven't felt in a long time. And I I feel like he's near, he's near. And so there's a spreading. And you know, I, I love what Cito brought about the kingdom and dominion and taking our place. And I feel like there is a crossing over. And I feel like the key ingredient, the last ingredient is, is love. It is love. Perfect love cast out fear. Jesus was so filled with the Father's heart, the stretching of the finger. And we have to go to war with the demonic sometimes. And it's three, four hours. Trust me, I've been there. I'm not judging anyone. I've, I've been there. And you're wrestling with that thing and you're, you're doing all you can do. 
And, and, and it's like, God has to say, whoa, 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 like, hold on, you know? That God's literally had done that to me before. And that's, that's embarrassing for me and because it's in front of this weird, ugly thing. And I'm like, great, this is embarrassing for just everyone, you know? She's manifesting. I'm getting rebuked by God. It's a great thing. So, but there's this thing of he so was filled with the Father's heart, his finger. But we wrestle because we've, we've lost the Father's heart for, for program. And, and I know you guys notice I'm preaching to the choir, but I, I, I do want to say, I want to read a story. This is maybe a story you guys have heard, but I want us to see something. And this is Numbers 20. We're going to talk about Moses's mistake. You guys, you guys familiar with this one? And, I, and we're going to talk about a few things today. I want to talk about, obviously, compassion. Just went off about it. I want to talk about stewarding a season. And then I want to talk about, honestly, I want to talk about being dead to self. It's, I, I think it's something that I think, okay, so I've been here a long time. So I've, see, I've seen a lot. And I think we used to teach a lot on dying to self. And half the church doesn't want to talk about it. The other half turned it into a joke. And so it became, well, just die to yourself, bro. You ever heard that? It's the most useless piece of advice I've ever heard. Just die to yourself as if, as if you can make yourself, well, okay, well, all right, hold on. We just, no, I, I, could, I was going to say as if you could make yourself, but that, that's dark and we don't want to go there and we'll pray for that at the end. God will set you free because that's not what I'm talking about. But as if you can make your spiritual death happen, you cannot. You have to surrender to the one who already died for you. And we're going we're gonna to touch it right now. So I want to talk about that. And then I think God wants to reignite compassion. And I think he wants to reignite love. I, I feel it so strongly. Guys, I'm telling you, it's the last ingredient. So let's read it really quick. Numbers 20. Jesus, would you just open our hearts? Would you show us, God? Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Would you show us? We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. Then the children of Israel, I'm just starting verse one. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there. So I want you to see something already, okay? Miriam has just died. So think about it. If your sister died, what kind of mood would you be in, okay? Just, I mean, let's be real, okay? Death is real and death is hard, okay? If your sister died, think about that, okay? Now there was no water for the congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and the people contended with Moses and spoke saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought a... Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? The Israelites are, are just something else. 
It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So the Israelites, they're doing what they do and they're complaining. So Moses, his sister just died. And then he's got to hear this. Okay, so think about that. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the people, the assembly, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron gathered a congregation together. But watch this, he, he says, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them, hear now you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Where's the compassion? He must have left it in the tabernacle. He left it. He grabbed the rod, but the heart's different. God didn't say rebuke the people. God never told him to say that. God said, take your rod and speak to the rock. Why is he talking to the people? God gave him a word, a specific instruction. Yet Moses, out of wrath, is coming at the people. God never told him to talk to the people, said, speak to the rock. And so he rebukes them. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. To hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring the assembly into the promised land, which I have given them. So he rebukes the people, which he was not told to do. He strikes the rock, which he is not supposed to do. And watch this. The water still came. And we're going to touch that in a second. The water still came, but look at God's rebuke. You didn't believe me. Moses, you didn't believe you could speak to the rock. You're still relying on the rod. You're still relying on what worked in a past season. The rod worked to split the sea. You did a lot of plagues with it. It's familiar. The rod works. But Moses, you didn't believe me. And watch this. You didn't hollow me. You didn't make me holy in the eyes of the children of Israel. His disobedience caused God to not be regarded as holy. His wrath, what it did is it represented God's heart in a way that God was not doing. God was not annoyed with Israel at that moment. He was not angry with them. He misrepresented who God really was in that moment when he struck the rock. And, and this is the phrase that always gets me. Watch how the story kind of ends. Which, so he, so he tells them, watch, because of that, you will not cross over into the promise. 
because of this mistake, because you lost the heart, because remember Moses's rod, you heard uh, Pastor William talk about a few weeks ago. It was a shepherding staff. And what was once a shepherding shaft, what was once made to shepherd the people had become a rod of rebuke. What was once gentle leadership, it was his shepherding that said, ooh, I like Moses. I'm gonna show myself to him. What made him potent now has become wrath. And God says, you're not gonna go into the promised land. I'll let you look and you'll see it in Deuteronomy. He lets them look at it, but he cannot cross over. But watch this. This was the water. So if you keep reading verse 13, this was the water of Meribah because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and he was hollowed among them. Wait a second. God just said, you didn't hollow me among the people. Why is he now saying that he was hollowed among them? Then he, and by the way, that word hollows, you just didn't make me holy. You didn't separate me from the people. Like you didn't honor me. You didn't respect me in that moment. You actually disobeyed me straight up. But then right here, it says that the waters, the people contended, you notice the people contended not with Moses and Aaron, the people contended with the Lord. So already see God's perspective. He's, he's like, I don't hear a bunch of complaining people coming against you, Moses. I hear the cry of my children. And watch this, and he was hollowed among them. But God said he wasn't. And here's why. Moses struck the rock with the rod. I believe this passage is really speaking of gifting. Moses used his gifting. He used what he knew to draw the water. And watch this. God honors Moses's gifting, but behind the scenes rebukes him. So the reason it says that, that he was hollowed among them is because for Moses's sake, God honored what Moses did. For the people's sake, he said, yeah, you hollowed me, but behind the scenes, he said, actually, you did the opposite. So the water was called Meribeth because God was hollowed. And this is what he's saying. I'll honor the gift. I'll honor the gift, the gifting, but I know the heart. So before the people, I'll honor you. Because how, how many of you know he gives a gift without reproach? So I'll honor you before the people, but I know the heart. And a lot of times, guys, you have to see that God knows the heart. What made Jesus, Jesus, is that he only did what he saw the Father do. And he only said what he heard the Father say. It's why he was perfect Yes, was he the son of God? Of course. But how many of you know that Jesus, his life is not a one and done. It's a model. Oh, come on. It's a model. It's a, it's a first, it's a firstborn. He's the firstborn among many brethren. It's not, Jesus wasn't the first and the last. He was the first. He was the beginning of a new people. He was the firstborn of a new creation. He was first. And so he's our high priest, but he's our model. And so Jesus doesn't do anything unless he hears it or he sees it from the father. 
Moses' mistake was that he didn't listen to what the father said. He was upset. And because of his anger, and yes, his grief, it, it caused him to make a decision that dishonored God before the people. He, he missed what he was supposed to do. He missed it. And God, out of his goodness, still honored Moses with the gifting. But in his heart, Moses lost the promise. So Moses had the gifting, but he lost the promise. He, had, he got to keep the rod. He got to still lead the people, but he missed out on what was truly available. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, it's the lack of compassion. When we lose the love for God and for his people, we can have the gifting, but we will miss out on the promise. And guys, I, I feel in my heart so strongly, there's a promise available, not just corporately, but individually. There's a crossing over, but the key is going to be love. How many times do we see in the New Testament, Jesus says he was moved by compassion, moved by compassion. I love the story of the leper, right? He comes up to Jesus. He knows he's unclean. He's ceremonially unclean. He's got leprosy. And he says, Lord, I know you could heal me if you were willing. Guys ever heard this? If you were willing. Uh, The passion is very casual. He just says, if you wanted to, you could heal me. And it says Jesus was moved with compassion. He's moved. And I love this. He touches the man and then says, I am willing. See the order. And that word touch is the word hoptimai. It's actually the word for intimacy between like a man and a woman. He intimately touched him and then said, I am willing. And guys, this is a lot of times how the Lord will operate. He'll touch you and then explain what happened to you after. You ever been there? God will destroy you with his goodness, with his mercy, with his forgiveness, with his love. And you'll say, why, why? It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. And God goes, it doesn't matter. Just let me love you. And then afterward, he'll explain, okay, that was this and this was that. And that's why I did it. So Jesus touches the man first, then says, I'm willing. Why? Because he wanted to prove a point. And this was the point. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what disease you have. I don't care what's on the outside. I want to touch you. And Jesus will always act, then explain. It's, 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 it's this idea of, it's because he's love. And so when he's, it's, it's love is an action as much as it's a noun or a thing. It's an action. It's a expression. Love has to express itself. Love is what created the heavens and the earth. Love is what fuels this whole book. It begins with the wedding and ends with the wedding. Come on. Genesis is a wedding. God creates man. Man, because he's in God's image, is lonely. He aches. He's naming all the animals. He's saying, wait, they all have a mate. They all have a partner. And there's an ache in Adam. And God goes, perfect, creates woman. Puts Adam to sleep, he creates woman. And then God presents woman to man in a garden. And together that union is meant to cultivate the earth. You guys know this? But they they fall for the lie. 
I'm not going to give you the whole entire Bible, but they fall for the lie and they sever intimacy, not just with each other. And that's why you see what lust is, is the twisting of love. That's it. It's a counterfeit. And by the way, the devil didn't create it. We did. He doesn't create anything. He can copy and he can twist and he can accuse and he's a bum and we just step on his head and he's, he's the biggest He's the biggest loser in the history of history. He will never win. You know, one time I was, actually during that season, I remember one time praying and I was asking God for compassion and and I wept. I wept over the enemy one time because I said, he'll never experience this. And I wept for him because that's him. That's his eternity. And I was so moved by love. I was so gripped in the presence. I wept for him. That'll mess with you. I wept with him. I wept for, not with him. I wept for him. (laughs) No, 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 no. We're not pals. Everyone relax. Everyone just got like, whoa, shut it up. No, I love Jesus Christ. Thank you. I'm born again. I gave my life to him. But you understand, I wept because the reality He will never have love. He will never know what love is, but we do. But we sit in church. We're never moved. Maybe unless our pocketbooks hit, bam, then we'll move. And a lot of times, it requires us to get in touch with our need before we're moved. It's the rebuke of Laodicea. They they said we're rich. Guys, you know, we, we're, we're living now in Franklin and, you know, there's money just like here and everyone's comfy. It's Franklin, farmer's market. You know? But then you, you drive a couple miles east or west and you'll see poverty. So we're comfortable, Franklin. But the reality is, is you go up the street and there's poverty and no one cares. It's not my problem. Look at these begonias or something. I don't know, whatever people shop for at farms. That's a flower, right? Look at these onions. And there's poverty a couple blocks across the highway. And it shows you there's something missing. And it's called love and it's called compassion. It's called a tender heart. It takes a movie coming out for us to care about the children. There has to be a movie to tell us, oh yeah, there's children and they're, they're in trouble. Because we're, we as the church are so asleep, but this is not a new problem. My wife studied this in school like 10 years ago. It's not a new thing, but we're so asleep. We're so disconnected. Why? Because that Laodicean, we're comfortable. And they say, we're rich. And and Jesus goes, no, you're poor. We see. No, you're blind. We're clothed. No, you're naked, dude. And I I will tell you, you could be dressed to the nines, whatever brand you want to think of, the nicest, whatever. I walked into a Louis Vuitton store. I walked right out. (laughs) Cynthia was trying to get me to like, babe, you know, we could pay it off. I'm like, 
and I'm gone. Shoo. It's the fastest I ever ran. Nah, I would do it for her, but I, praise God, she doesn't make me. And she's not one of those, I have to have this. She's not, she's great. And, but the reality of like, you can be dressed to the nines and be naked. Blind. And this is not a rich or poor thing. Hear me. This is not, and, and this is not a poverty, this is not an anti-wealth thing. Because I think that's from hell too, to be honest. Keep Christians poor, beggarly. Well, Jesus was poor. No, not really. No, he was poor in spirit. But Jesus was generous. Jesus was wealthy. And then if he ever needed taxes, he just told a fish to give him a coin. <laughs> Jesus did not have issues, yet he was the most humble. He had the money. And that's why if you read the story of the rich young ruler, it says he loved him. He connected with him. He said, I like this guy. But Jesus knows his heart. So he goes to the one thing that he's missing. Sell what you have. And that's what God will do is he'll search your heart and he'll say, okay, if you really want to follow me, and I'm not talking about entrance into heaven. I'm talking if you want to walk with God, he will search your heart and he'll find the one area and then he'll touch it. Bing. Give that up. Oh, sometimes it's family. You're willing to give up your family. Am I saying abandon your kids? No, I'm talking about extended family. I'm talking about cousins, aunts, uncles, mom, dad, people you love that have your heart. But God is saying, are you willing to give them up? And give them up doesn't mean abandon them. Giving them up means don't allow them to have the place in your heart so you can love them with abandon. It's not a get, get away from me. I never want to see you. You don't shun people. We don't shun people. But what it means is you don't have a place in my heart. You can't change my love for the Lord. You can't affect my character. You cannot determine who I am in Christ. You, you give them no weight in your life. And God will say, will you give them up? Will you give up their praises? Will you give up the praises of people, the acceptance of people? You know, we, we want, so often we want acceptance, you know, from a parent, from a friend, from a spouse. And God is like, will you give up that? For the sake of winning them. It's always for the sake of winning them. It's always for the sake of redeeming them. But you have to pay a price. Love, sometimes it costs something. It, it, and it's every area. God looks at every area and he deals with it. And he, and he says, compassion. But guys, I'm here to tell you because you could hear this and you could hear the story of Moses and say, well, I'll never pick up my rod. You know what I'm saying? I'll never grab the staff. I don't want the gifting. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't, I just want to love Jesus. But that is not what I'm saying either. Moses was supposed to grab, he said, pick up your rod. He said, pick up the mantle. But watch this. Here's the difference between Moses and Elisha. How many of you know prophets? They're a swirly bunch. And everything they do is kind of prophetic. I heard that the other day. It made me laugh. 
But Elijah crosses the Jordan and he stands on the same side that Moses would have stood on. Gets caught up. The mantle falls to Elijah and Elijah representing a Joshua generation that would cross over because he had the double portion. Hits the, what does he do? When he picks up the mantle, he inquires of the Lord. So the mantle is not the problem. The, the problem is the heart posture. The problem is we don't inquire of the Lord. We like the mantle. We don't want the sonship. So Elisha doesn't make the same mistake. He picks up the mantle and he inquires of the Lord. Then it says he hits the water and he crosses over. But he literally was on the same side that Moses would have been. And just like Moses, Elijah crosses the river, stands on the side and says, I can't go any further. Representing, I really think the old and the new covenant in a lot of ways, he's like, this is, I can't cross this. Only Jesus can, I can't cross this. And he gives Elijah double. And he says, okay, you cross. Oh my gosh, there's so much in that. That's just fathering. That's the principle of fathering right there. That's, how, that's what a father does. He gives double to his kids so that they can cross over. But you guys got to see this. You have to see that there's a crossing over. And in order to cross over, there's a surrendering of your will. That's the second thing I want to hit on. And it's what God's been getting on my heart a lot. He's been dealing with my heart. Is our will. Not my will be done, but yours. I mean, listen to the prayer language of Jesus. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was completely yielded to the Father. No matter what it cost, he was completely yielded. He, he didn't think it was weird that he was equal with God, but he humbled himself and became a servant unto death. But watch this, the willingness that Jesus, okay, I guess how willing Jesus was to go low is what resulted in his exaltation. Jesus went lower than anyone will ever go in all of human history. You, no one can outdo him. But because of that, he's the name above all names. And I believe what's coming to risen nation is authority, major. But if you want authority, you have to go with the one who modeled it. I too am a man under authority. How low you're willing to go, and not in shame, but I'm talking just laid down love. How much of a fool are you willing to look like? How much are you willing to just give it all away? How much are you willing to just lay your life down? And the willing, how far you're willing to go is the level at which God will exalt you. It's just the truth. It says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in due time. But the height at which he will lift you, the level of authority is based on your level of humility. Because here's why. God cannot lift a prideful man. He won't. God cannot lift a prideful man. God cannot give authority to a man that is in control of himself. 
God will move mountains. He will heal your body. He will heal your heart. But God will not mess with the human choice. He won't. So at some point, you have to choose. It's John 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And watch this. And those who love me and keep my commandments, me and my father will come to them and I, we will manifest ourselves to them. You want the manifest presence of God? You have to keep his commandments. And they're pretty simple. Love me. Love your neighbor. They're pretty easy. I mean, sometimes it's harder than you think. But love me with everything and love your neighbors. you love yourself. But here's the deal. If you love him, you'll realize that he loves you. He'll manifest his love to you. And when you get the manifest, tangible, measurable love of God, one drop from his finger is better than any other lover. For the rest of eternity, it will never compare to the tangible presence of God. So what we can't do is rob people of encounter. We need an encounter with the tangible presence of Jesus. We do. God wants to restore encounter to the church. I know personally Somewhere along the way, I would even get weary of encounter because I would hear things like, well, they just encounter the Lord every week and they get up the same. And because of fear of that, I would kind of like, I don't want to be that guy. But that right there is wrong thinking. Why don't you want to be that guy? Fear of man, because you're worried about what to think. But God knows your heart. And if you wake up different and you're changed, then you're different and you're changed. Like, listen, if you need freedom and a devil comes flying out of you, there's no shame in that. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. If you've ever seen deliverance, it's beautiful. It is, it is messy. It is loud, but it's beautiful. You don't shy away from it. You embrace, it moves your heart. It's beautiful. So if you need freedom, that's a good thing. And you want it, that's a good thing. If you're desperate to know and touch God, that's a good thing. And we can't preach it like it's bad. But here it is. When you pick up the rod, when you have the encounter, inquire of God. That's it. Just seek him. When you get the encounter, when God smashes you with his goodness, just make sure while you're getting crushed, God, what's your heart? And he'll show you. But we, we shy away from, from these things, but we need it. We need God to move again and again and again and again because I cannot stay the same. I prayed a prayer pretty recently. I said, God, I will never miss out again. I won't. Like, if there's a chance to jump in the river, I will. I refuse to miss anything and everything that God has for me. I will not waste one drop. I will get as much oil, as much presence as I can, as much of him as I can. And if they want to say, well, you just preach encounter and you don't talk about the word, get out of my face. The word became flesh, dude. Okay, I'm not going to go down a rabbit trail. But... When the word manifests himself to you, the word will come alive. Because the letter kills. The letter without the spirit will kill. But the letter with the spirit will change you. Promise. It will change you.
And so we, we've picked up these languages because of, because honestly, because we've lost our, our tenderness towards the sheep. And so what we, because of what we've seen, our experience, we put God in the box called experience instead of who he is. Who is he? I think that's honestly why the church has pushed the Holy Spirit out. Because the Holy Spirit, we don't understand him. And he cannot be controlled. And we don't like that. We kind of get the Father. Okay, there's a creator. That makes sense. We kind of get, we get the Son, you know, redeeming love. He, He gave his life for me. He loved me. You know, the Holy Spirit, we, we, don't, we don't get him. He comes like wind, but he comes like fire, but he's living water, but he's a person. And Jesus said, said, I'll send you the helper and he, he, there's a key, capital H, E, he will lead you to truth. Which, why, why is the he important? It means he's a person. He's not some vapor. He's the manifest, I'm going to say that word a lot today, presence of God. And what does manifest mean? It means to take something unseen and make it seen. It's to take what you couldn't rationalize or touch or conceptualize, that's a big word, and it makes it physical. So if you have a bad knee and your knee gets healed, that's God manifesting his power. Because how else would your knee get fixed? Something would have to touch you for your knee to be fixed. That's God manifesting his power because he's spirit. And he hovers. And so there's a difference between the presence, which is he's always present. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then there's a difference between that and the manifest presence of the Lord. But if you want the manifest presence of the Lord, there better be love and there better be honor. Here's why. Because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We should just actually just hop over there really quick. You guys okay? Nobody's in trouble. God's so good. Okay. So this is John 14. We'll just start 19. So I'll just give you the preface. Jesus says, if you love me, so watch this. If you love me, keep my commandment. And I will pray. Oh, might as well just read it all. Okay, John 14, 15. Guys, if you're like a newbie believer and you want to know where to start in the Bible, John 13 through 17, you really cannot go wrong. It's just red letters and Jesus is saying the craziest stuff and it'll change you. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father. Ha ha ha. He doesn't say, I'll pray to the Father. I'll pray the Father. Oh, I'll release him. (laughs) And he will give you another helper himself that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit, Christ in you, is meant to be with you forever. That's a billion upon a billion to the trillionth decibel year. I'm not good at math. Remember the last time I tried to do math on stage, it was awesome. I gave a horrible number. Um, Harry makes fun of me probably every other time I preach about that math. 
But whatever the biggest number you could calculate, the Holy Spirit will be with you for a billion times, a billion years. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because, he, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he dwells with you. Watch, here's the key. He will dwell with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. My gosh. A little while longer and the world will not, will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Come on, guys. When we died, when, when he died, we died. And when he was raised, we were raised. And because he was raised, because he's alive, we are alive also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father. And you are in me and I in you. And what is that day? The day you are born again. It's not some future event. The day you are born again, you will know that I'm in you and you are in me. Watch this. He who has my commandments and keeps them. So see, listen, he says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And the father will send the Holy Spirit and he will make his home with you and watch the language change. You will have the commandments and keep them. Why? Because you love him, because you're one with him. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Guys, Jesus loves everyone. All 8 billion people in the world, redemptively the same. He paid the price for everyone. Past, present, future, that's the gospel. If you have not heard the gospel, you should know. There's a God who loves you and he died for you and he shed his blood for you and he poured out his spirit so that he can make his home in you so that you'd no longer be an orphan, but you'd be a son. Okay. But if you are a son, it doesn't mean God will manifest himself to you. Because <laughs> he loves everyone redemptively, but to those who have my commandments and keep them, I will reveal myself to them. So there's an aspect of obedience that is required. Well, what's the commandment? Well, Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. Love me. Love others as you love yourself. There's it. There, listen, if you, if you stay right there, you will never miss it. You, if you stay right there, God, I love you and I love your people. You'll never miss it. Never miss it. You can't get it wrong. Why? Because love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears fruit. Love, 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 love. It'll never get old. Love, it'll never miss the target. Why? Because God is love. Guys, it's who he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. Love is his nature. Love is why he invented all of this. Love is why you're on the earth. Whether you know it or not, love is why you're alive. Out of billions and trillions of swimmers, you're the one that got to the egg. Why? Love. Why'd you get there? Science? No, love. Love is what brought you there. Love is what kept you in the womb. Love is what pushed you out. Love is what has kept you sustained and alive till today, till this very moment, that you would know that you are loved. 
And I'm sorry, but there's, a, there's people in the world with a lot less that have a lot more love. So don't say it's because uh, God doesn't love me because I don't drive a Mercedes. Or God doesn't love me because I don't have what they have. Or God doesn't love me because the bank account doesn't add up. Because there's people with a lot more love with a lot less in this world. We are blessed. And this is not like to be political, but we are blessed to be in this country. Don't you ever get it twisted. We are blessed to be in this country. So, so why are you in this country? Love. Everything is motivated by God's love. You are the object of God's desire. He has more thoughts for you than the sands of the sea. Don't forget, we can't lose this part of the gospel. We can't lose the fact that I am loved. Jesus said, the father loves me and I love him. And we love each other. It's just a big love fest. And he said, and then he just starts praying. I pray that they would know they're loved. I pray that they would enter into this oneness, this dance. But see, Jesus is in love. So he's the most confident. He knows that he's loved and that he's been given everything. But how many of you know that we are loved and we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness? We've been given everything. All his promises are yes and amen. He is faithful to finish the work that he started in you. Jesus is not done with you. But we get done with ourselves because of circumstances. We get, we get frustrated because of transition. <laughs> Welcome to the kingdom. Transition will happen. Things will shake. God will anoint people and he will send them. And God is actually offering the same anointing that was on the church of Antioch. He's, an, he's offering it to Risen Nation. It says that they worshiped day and night. And as the Holy Spirit landed on people, they would highlight them and send them. You can read it. Acts 13. It's the church of Antioch. But here's the key. They worshiped. Day and night, they prayed without ceasing and God would anoint in their midst and they would send them gladly. So it's okay. We can't be afraid of change. We can't be afraid when God wants to do a new thing. So when God says, pick up the rod and he tells you, don't strike it, but speak to it. Listen to God, know the season you're in. Guys, Proverbs 21, verse 11. This verse is the anthem of my life. It has been messing me up. And I, and I wasn't even going to go here because I'm talking about love, but I just, I feel it so strongly. Proverbs 21, 11. Guys, this verse is, it's, it's two people in the same scenario with different responses. I want you to see. When the scoffer, and that word scoffer is like the immature, the mocker, the pfft. When the scoffer is punished, it's Proverbs 21, 11. When the scoffer is punished, the simple or the foolish is made wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. I want you to see something here. When the immature is punished, see right here. It's two responses to one scenario. This is the, the proverb. This is the picture it's painting. When the 
foolish, the immature, they feel when they're in a situation, orders transition, orders change, or it's whatever prophetic language you want to use. It's a new season. They treat it as they are being punished. The scoffer, the immature says, I'm being punished. The wise knows he's being instructed. But watch this. The scoffer, he believes he's being punished. He got caught for doing something wrong and God is punishing me. And watch this. And they are made wise. But when the wise is instructed, so it's the same situation. It could be the same situation. But those who are wise, they don't go, why is God punishing me? They go, oh, this is God's instruction. And it leads to knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of him. Moses knew his ways. The people knew his acts. So here's what I mean. Bad things would happen to him. Well, God's punishing him punishing us. He's, he's doing this to get at us. Bad things happen to us. Why is God after me? Why is God getting me? Why is God against me? And watch this. And so in their punishment, they become wise. They just learn the lesson the hard way. But those who are wise see the same situation. They go, no, no, no. This is God's instruction. This is the pressure that will form me. This is the weight of glory shaping me. This is God turning me into the vessel that will carry the new wine. And we want new wine, but we don't want new wineskins. You have to have new wineskins if you're going to have new wine. What does that speak of? Your heart has to change. But here's the deal. This speaks of sonship. God doesn't punish me. He's my father. He loves me. He instructs me because he's my daddy. So he instructs me and I gain knowledge of him. I begin to understand him. I see what he's like. And here's what I've learned. The more that I understand God, the more I'm afraid to ever put him in a box. The more I know God, the less familiar. It's weird. It's like the more intimate I get with him, the more I'm like, you're holy. God's holiness should draw us to nearness. But a guilty conscience will say, God's holiness, I got to run away. You you understand? But when you've tasted and you've seen that he's good, you draw near to him when he comes in holiness. And you regard him as holy. So in an environment of worship, when we're relaxed, and, and that was not today. Worship was awesome. I'm just speaking as a whole. When we're laxed and we're, and we're sitting on our hands and we're, you know, when's this going to be over? And then we want God to move. We want God to be the genie in our bottle to make our day better and, and give me my promises, which is really just stuff. Give me my stuff but we don't regard him as holy. But when you see that he is holy and you're in an environment like this and God's glory begins to fill the room, you guys know this, come on, this is, you guys know this as a house, but the presence of the Lord begins to come and something begins to shake on the inside. Here's the the feeling, right? Is, uh uh-oh, like this holy, like, uh uh-oh. But yet, in your heart, you're like, come closer. It's like, I'm scared of you, but I want you to come close. 
You are all powerful, all holy, yet come close. The hand that holds me is the same hand that could crush me. Yet I'm not afraid. I know he'll hold me. Guys, that's maturity. That's, that's how you begin to walk like a son. But it takes childlike people to say, I can do that. I, I want to give you guys permission. You can walk in holiness. You can walk in glory. Like you have, you, can you, like you hear me? You can be led by the Spirit. I love, um, I want to say it's Mother Teresa, but don't quote me. But I heard this great quote about prayer, and I believe it was her. She said, I just get quiet before the Lord, and I wait till I hear a good thought. And then when I hear a good thought, I act on it. You want to know how to be led by the Spirit? You just wait. You wait on the Lord and you wait for the wind. You wait for that voice and you just obey it. And here's the thing. He's good. So he might make you step out on something and you're like, God, financially, that does not make sense. But I trust that you're good. And you step off and he catches you. You'll look at someone in a supermarket and your heart will break for them. And God say, just go talk to them. And your logic goes, no, that's weird. But something in you, it's obedience says, okay. And you step out. Power. In worship, God is like, lift your hands. I remember when I first got saved, I wouldn't lift my hands in worship. I didn't get it. And I felt this thing of like, just lift your hands one time. I was at a youth camp and I lifted my hands. This is how new I was in the Lord. I lifted my hands and I felt a freedom and a joy like I've never felt. Why? It's this simple act of obedience. And guys, being led by the Spirit, it's sometimes it's very childlike. It's just, do this. Why? Just trust me. And then you do it and you're like, that was the best thing I've ever done ever in my entire life. Okay, I'll tell one story. I am. Um, I was learning how to walk in the spirit. I had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, it was just all new to me. And I, um, I was at the gym. I see a red hat. And I didn't know what a word of knowledge was. I just saw a red hat over and over and over and over and over. And I was just like, and childlike, I was just like, Jesus, okay, I see a red hat. If this means something, you'll tell me. And whatever it means, I, like I'm listening. That was my prayer. Didn't say God like, you know land on every red hat in the gym. You know, I just, no, you're pure, pure, innocent. Be pure, be simple. And I just said, okay, if, you know, if that means something, Lord, I trust you, like, show me. So I walk in the gym and I'm, I'm working out and I'm, you know, I'm kind of like red hat, you know, because I'm secretly like scared. I don't want to see a red hat because I feel like I'll have to do something I don't want to do. So I look to my right and there's a lady in a burqa working out. I'm like, you're a stud, you know? I don't even know how she's doing it. She's jump roping. She's lifting the weight. She's whew, the full thing. And I'm talking just the eye slits. I'm like, wow, what a beast. I'm over here like, she's. so I look at her and I'm like, wow, she's incredible. And then I feel the Lord say, go pray for her. And the red hat went out the window. You know, red hat is one thing. 
this is Lord, this is, she's clearly, you know, she's a Muslim. This is, this is different. But the Lord says, go pray for her. So I go up and I, I, I pray for, well, it took a while to convince her, but I walk up and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? She hands me her jump rope and I'm like, cool, can I pray for you? She grabs my hands and goes like this. And I'm like, no, can I pray for you? And she gets mad at me in the gym and says, yeah, I know you're saying, can I play with you? Here you go. She thought, I was saying, she doesn't speak English. So she thought I was saying, can I play with you? Which is so weird. And that would be horrifying. And so she's like, she's like, and, I, and me like a dummy, I'm like, you know, like, I don't know. I just kept, went along with it, this language barrier. And I finally, it clicked. She thinks I'm saying play. And I said, no, can I pray? And I, I used to have like a cross and I pulled the cross out. Can I pray for you? Oh, no, 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 no. And it was too late. I said, you already just embarrassed me in front of all of LA Fitness. You are, you're gonna let me pray for you. And she finally said, okay, I, fine. And it wasn't, I just said, okay, Jesus, thank you for your daughter. You love her. I pray you'd encounter her and she would know you. Okay, thank you. And walks away. And I'm like flushed. I'm sweating. I'm like, that was it? <laughs> like, she, I thought she was gonna like go flying, you know? I thought she'd get zapped and she, ah, I don't know, something. I wanted a miracle. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that? So I leave the... By the way, I was like 10 minutes into my work. I leave. I'm like, I, I got to get a new gym. <laughs> I'm done. This is the last time I'm going to this gym. And this is it. So I'm walking away. I just played jump rope with a Muslim woman. And, you know, who knows, you know? And so I'm walking away and someone taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and it's this big jack guy and he's got a red hat. And he's crying. And he says, bro, I just saw what you did. And I've been in this place of my mom was a Christian, but I never believed. But I just saw that. And he said, I've been asking God if he's real. And, and what you just did, like, I need you to pray for me. And so I pray for him right there in the gym. And he counters God, gives his life to Jesus. So are you willing to be a fool? Are you willing to say, this doesn't make sense, but God, I'm willing. And this is not just evangelism, though I think this is part of it. I think that is an aspect that is going to come to this house. Guys, I'm sorry. It is not the marketing team's job to fill these seats. It's yours. They can promote it and make it look cool, but it's your job. If God is moving here and this is your house, you got to invite people to your home. How are you going to host them unless you bring them to your house? I think there's a major go of the gospel coming because I think we've got the worship. Like this is holy. Guys, you have to understand this is not normal. The testimony we are getting in Franklin, which those meetings aren't even pretty. It's like a guitar and keys and the barn is very sweaty. If you've been to that thing, it's a hot box. It is not cute. There's kids everywhere. I'm like, I honestly, for the first time, I was like, I get Benny, you know, just for like half a second. Because I'm, I'm like, for half a second, I got it. I was like, there's a lot of kids and they're not being, they're slamming the door. 
So there's nothing pretty about it. But you know what the testimony we're getting is? I don't know what this is, but God's here. I've never experienced worship like this. I was talking to a young man out there named Joe, and he's like, bro, I went to church somewhere else. And he's like, I've just lost my taste because of what we've experienced. Just, just in the little once a month meetings, he's like, and I'm like, bro, you should go to Dallas. Like, this is, this is not even it, you know? But our, we've experienced so much, you don't realize how potent it is. You don't realize that just people in a room actually engaged with God, how powerful that is. And one of the joys I've been seeing is to look around and, you know, William is doing what he does, Pastor William, and I've heard it a thousand times. I know every story back to front. But the joy that I get just looking and watching it hit people's hearts for the first time. Guys, we cannot get familiar with the word. We cannot get familiar with this revelation of a place for him. It cannot get familiar. The world is desperate. And so, there, but I believe part of that is there is a go. A house for him must become a street for him. It must become Keller for him. It must be DFW for him. There has to be a spreading. Guys, you know the word Messiah? You know the root word of that is Mesa, which means to spread. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the one who spreads. He is the one who spreads the anointing. You just heard about the anointing last week. He's the one who spreads it. So there's a spreading, a smearing that has to take place. And it has to get in our being. We have to begin to walk in this love. And it'll release a fragrance everywhere you go. People will see it. You're different. There's something about you. It's different. And that has to be the testimony. There's something about you that's different. If we just try to mimic the world to win them, the world will trample us. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Lest they trample on it, turn around and devour you. What's he saying? Don't try to be like the world to win it. Don't diminish your salt, your anointing, your, your Christ in you. Don't try to bring him down to meet people on their level. Lest they just snatch it from you and chew you up and spit you out. And trust me, the world will run over you. Oh my gosh. You try to be like the world, the world will sniff it. And that's why you see pastors. They look like the world, talk like the world, sound like the world, party like the world get caught cheating on their wife like the world because they were busy trying to win the world by looking like it and the world turned around and ate them. No, 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 no. Holy. Set apart. But watch this. There's a fragrance. And you will be rejected straight up. Sometimes by people you love. They won't understand. It's not a hate, but they won't understand. And that you have to be okay with that. And you have to say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing because you're good. I'm willing because you're good. I didn't want this to get so heavy, but you know what? Here we are. Because God's doing a serious work. It's serious. I think we need to begin to see it's serious, guys. The world is, it's crazy. But can I tell you something? There, can I give you some hope? And then we'll probably, Ashley, maybe if I can get you, it'll help me. Help me kind of land. But guys, if I'm here to tell you, 
There is a generation up for grabs. Guys, I mean, I'm, I'm, I won't pull out this. There's statistics that are showing that Gen Z is making this huge shift. They are, they are actually shifting. They are, they're, they're actually saying that statistically more Gen Z identify as socially like conservative and traditional. How did that happen? Because when you, in, when you, when you baptize people into filth, from the day they're born, and you tell them wrong is right, and you tell them evil is good, and that's all you feed them from the time they're little, and you try to make it normal, and you have the internet, and it inundates them. What happens is, is they lose their taste, and they go, this cannot be what life is. And that is the most precious question for the kingdom of God and the most dangerous for the kingdom of darkness, is there has to be more to this. That's why Jesus came to fix the human heart. He came to pour out his spirit. He came to be one with us. He made his home in us. The Father and I will dwell in you. We will not leave you as orphans. We'll come for you. And there's a generation longing. They're just up in the air. They're up for grabs. But what will they find? There's a generation that will come knocking. They are seeking. Because all they've been fed is darkness. And they're depressed and they're suicidal and they're broken and their parents' marriages are broken and they're saying, this cannot be life. But I'm curious, what will they find? Will they find a social club that doesn't love the sheep but tolerates them? Will they find a, a trendy place where we just try to be like the world? They're trying to get out of the world. Are they going to find pastors who just want to build their following? It's amazing, man. Pastors love to bring people to themselves, but never want to be led. It's incredible to me. Everyone gathered to me, but I refuse to gather to anyone. And what we have is orphans leading orphans. And so there's jealousy because the orphan's identity is not in the Lord. It's not in his Abba. It's not in his father. It's in his gifting. It's in the rod. His identity is in the rod. So what happens is here comes another orphan and maybe he's just a little more gifted than you. And maybe he's just a little more talented than you. Maybe he can just sing a little bit better. And now all of a sudden, because your identity's in the rod, you try to snuff out what God is raising up. And God just passes by. He'll just keep going. He says he, he searches the earth to and fro. He's just looking. He's looking. And what's he looking at? Our hearts. Where's the love? I think that's what God's asking. Where is the love? Where is the compassion? Did you pick up the rod without my heart? Did you pick up the rod without my heart? Jesus is the good shepherd. I love this. It says he leads his sheep to pasture. Precious Jesus, would you lead us to pasture this morning? Would you lead us to rest this morning? Guys, I'm learning something about rest. Rest is not a vacation. Rest is the posture at which the kingdom flows. Rest is, 
It's the movement of the kingdom without the striving. Rest is the outpouring of the spirit without the struggle. Rest is the posture. It's what Jesus, it's what caused Jesus to sleep in the boat. He was at rest, yet he could tell the storm to be quiet. Rest is not putting down your anointing and putting down the authority and saying, I'm gonna take a break from ministering to the Lord and his people. No, 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 no. Ministry to the Lord is the rest. His love is the refuge. His presence is the reason we're alive. It's why you're alive. It's love that is keeping your bones together. It's what's keeping you skin and bones is His love. It sustains us. And watch this love. It's patient. It's kind. Oh my gosh. Keeps no record of wrong. Love puts others' needs before its own. It rejoices. Oh my goodness, it rejoices in the truth. Love loves truth. And I just feel like to wrap up today, I believe God wants to just invite us into this love. Uh, we're not going to really do it. Well, let's just see how the Lord moves. I, like, I don't like saying I won't do and then he'll make me do. But here's what I want. I, can we just take a moment? Can we settle in? I believe God wants to just reveal his love to some of us today. I, I see weary hearts. I think we need a drink from the well. I think we need a drink from the well. Jesus, would you remind us? Would you whisper to us? Would you whisper to us in the stillness, those who wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. Eagles don't flap their wings, they catch the wind. Catch us up. Precious Jesus, would you catch us up? Would you sweep us away? Would you cause us to burn? Yeah, come on, just reach out. I feel like there's just, the Lord is near. There's such a tenderness. There's such a tenderness. Guys, he's good. He's good. He's good. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. He's so gentle and lowly. He's so precious and kind. He's so precious and kind. Would you sweep us away, God? We want to be lost in you. Oh, would we be so lost in you? That the world would not see us, but they'd see you through us. Oh, Jesus, there's a light shining 
Would you shine out of your people? Would you shine out of this house? Would you shine like never before? God, break our hearts for your people. Break our hearts for your children. God, even those who say they hate you, would you cause us to love them? Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.